Welcome to High Energy Health, where together we explore the leading edge of wellness and happiness. I'm your host, Dawson Church. By choosing this time together, you're declaring your commitment to a positive mindset, elevated emotions, and a great life. Thanks for joining me for today's episode. Hello and welcome to High Energy Health. I am so delighted you're here because you being here is a statement. It's a statement by you that you value your quality of life. You're committed to being there for yourself by consuming positive media, positive messages, looking for inspirational shows like this, and then filling your awareness with those things. There's so much bombarding us every day involuntarily from the media, from social media, from friends, from conversations, from society. And you want to make sure that you are in control of your consciousness. And you aren't if you're going to be steered by all those things. And those are other people's priorities. They're not yours necessarily. So it is so powerful to choose a show like this, choose inspirational media, choose inspirational books and movies, people, gatherings, society connections that really support your well-being. And by tuning into High Energy Health, <laughs> you're doing just that. And I have a real blast with this show. I love sharing each week with you the leading edge, cutting edge ideas you can put to work in your life practically. I encourage you to listen to every show with your journal or a notepad in hand. It's fine to take notes on a device as well, but glean wisdom that you can apply in your life and finish every show with a game plan. What I will do, how I will apply this in my life to improve my life. And you'll find that if you're using all of the wonderful ideas, techniques, inspiration on the show, you're going to have a steadily improving, up-spiraling life. That is what I so want for you. That's why I do this. So I'm delighted you're here. And I know that you're going to have as much fun as me with the our guest and our topic <laughs> in the next hour. My guest today is an old and dear friend. His name is Dr. Ivan Meisner. He's the founder and chief visionary officer of BNI, Business Networking International, the world's largest business networking organization. He founded it in 1985. It now has over 11,000 chapters in 76 countries. And last year, it generated over 30 million referrals, more than over $20 billion of business for its members. Also, Ivan extends his influence through books. He has written 29 books, and his most recent one is called The Third Paradigm. The subtitle is A Radical Shift to Greater Success has been featured on the LA Times, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, as well as many radio and TV spots. I'm also delighted to tell you that sitting in conversation with Ivan and connecting with him, he has a loving and deep and kind heart. 
and is really there for the people in his community. And so you're not just listening to somebody who has immense outer accomplishments. <laughs> you're sharing with somebody who has immense inner accomplishments of the heart and mind and spirit as well. Ivan, what a joy to have you here. Oh, thank you for those kind words. I really appreciate it. And I got to tell you, I love uh, the way you open your podcast and talking about positive things. And, you know, I, I've always believed that uh, what you put into your head uh, comes out in your behavior. And I remember during BNI and the COVID years where things were so challenging for people, I said, you know, stop listening to the news to my members, you know, micro dose the news because it's all negative. You kind of know what's going on in the world. That's why I get most of my news on apps rather than watching TV because you, honestly, doesn't, you, you don't get the news anymore. You get, there are the opinion stations. And depending on which station you get, you're bombarded with that opinion. And so I look at apps and I find apps like the BBC actually has more accurate news, I think, sometimes about the U.S. than, you know, CNN or Fox. But yeah. I, we digress, but I love that you open up with, you, you got to put positive stuff in your head if you want your life to be positive. Absolutely. And people have a challenge doing that because there is so much of the negative stuff bombarding you. And there's so many negative inputs. So then you want you talk to people and they're sharing, they're regurgitating what they've seen yep. in yep. those places. And so what else do you do, Ivan? What else do you personally do to keep yourself in that positive space? Well, I, you know, I try to watch fun, entertaining television, you know, things that make me laugh. I even go back to watch some of the, you know, oldies, but goodies like uh, West Wing. I don't know if you remember West Wing. Uh, yes. Yeah. The writing on West Wing is just classic. It's really, really good. So, you know, I do that. I spend time. Uh, I go out on my boat. I will have, you know, I go into my spa. You've been to my house. So I've got, you know, the big tower. I go up to the tower at one o'clock and have a good Pinot Noir or a Cabernet Sauvignon. And these are the things that I do to enjoy life as well as the work I do. Absolutely. And I find that choosing those things, doing those things deliberately, building those into your schedule, building those into your day, building those into your calendar is so important for your mental well-being. You know, I'm asked a lot about balance. How do you create work-life balance? Especially, you know, when, when I do a keynote presentation, how do you create work-life balance? And so I'll say to the audience, do you want, you want to know the secret to balance? And they're like, yeah, yeah, tell me the secret to balance. And I say, forget about balance. You'll never have it. <laughs> oh no. And they're like, oh no, don't say that. That can't be true. I'm like, yeah, it is true because when you look at balance, it's like scales. My work life has to be in balance with my personal life. It has to be in balance with my spirituality and my health. It's got to all be in balance. The truth is, life is not a balancing act. Life is a juggling act. We are constantly juggling stuff. And so rather than look at it from balance, I tell people, and I wrote about this in the book, Who's in Your Room, which I know you've seen. Uh, I'm sure you got a copy. I'm sure I gave you a copy. Instead of Balance, we need to look at it from the perspective of harmony. And this is more than semantics. Harmony is different than balance. Even the graphic for harmony, the yin and the yang, are out of balance if you separate them. And so if you look at life in terms of creating a life of harmony, which means today I'm going to be out of balance on this, but tomorrow I'm going to be out of balance on this. And you create a life of harmony with a plan. You can't wing it. You got to have a plan. And we talk about that in Who's in the Room, the plan to create a life of harmony. And so I have had, Dawson, a life that's way out of balance. I have had a life of harmony. My life has been a life of harmony. You know, one of the useful concepts that I heard was to seek balance on average. <laughs> Don't seek balance in small increments like one day. Seek yeah. balance in larger increments like 
one week, one month, one year. And so when you zoom out that way and say, okay, I'm going to make sure my juggling act has all the right ingredients overall is more important. Like, for example, I, I go mountain biking usually twice a day, rain or shine. Because we have a beautiful home and a beautiful place, part of the world where there are lots of mountain biking trails. And I just love jumping on my bike and zipping up mountains and going at totally reckless speeds down them again. And it's way fun, but twice, twice a day. And some days I, you know, I have too many deadlines, too many pressures, stuff happening at work. Mm. I miss my treasured exercise time. Yeah. And I'm tempted to beat myself up and say, you know, I didn't get it today. But then I realize, you know, I'm going to double up on that on the weekend or triple up on that and go on a four-hour you yeah. know, long ride. So averaging it out rather than insisting that every day or every week be in balance. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a variation of harmony. Sometimes, you know, you're going to be spending a fair amount of time on this issue, and then you're going to make sure and spend a fair amount of time on that other issue. The key is to know, the key is to plan on spending time on, on in, in, in all of those areas. And I think another key is to be fully present. Be here now, wherever you are, be there. So don't be at work thinking about the fact that you didn't spend time with the family last night and don't be with the family thinking about that project that's got to be done at work. Wherever you are, be fully present to it. That's one of the key elements of creating a life of harmony. Yeah. So wherever you are, be fully present. Okay, you're listening now. Be taking notes. Be thinking about how you apply this. Don't just listen to Ivan and I. Be thinking, okay, I'm going to record these ideas that we're not looking to make life a balancing act it's a juggling act and we want to see how we can juggle everything effectively and over longer periods of of time and space and then being fully present ivan's most recent point so i'm just having a little pause here to recap make sure we hammer those points in winston churchill once said churchill said if you have a point to make don't try and be clever or subtle about it hit the nail on the head, and then hit it again, and again, and again. So that juggling act idea is a powerful, powerful concept you can apply in your life as you look at what you're doing, and then finding ways of, for example, consuming news that don't predispose you to all the biases and priorities of the news outlets that give you a chance to decide what your opinion might be based on that on all the information you can gather. And then this whole concept of being present. Because what happens in your brain when you do that is very interesting. There's a part of your brain that is highly active when you're in the present moment. But it's also the part of the brain that handles processing present and future. And it's pretty much an either or. Either you're absorbed and worried about the past, or you're obsessed about potential problems in the future, or you're in the present moment. You can't use this part of the brain for both of us at the same time. So when you get into the present moment, automatically, you're going to pull your attention out of rumination about the past, catastrophization about a potential future by being in the moment. So really focus here on what Ivan is saying. How can I be more present? I'm going to challenge you further. I'm going to challenge you right now to make a note of a part of your life where you know you aren't present. Are you not present for that person in meetings who you don't like and you aren't listening to what she says because you don't like her? Are you not present for your father or your mother? Because I know what the old man has to say. I know what she has to say. Other people you aren't being present for in your life. So look at those people you aren't being present for and then see about being present for them. And what I predict you'll get is an unexpected gift. 
if you become present for that person you haven't been present for, you will perceive something you didn't perceive before. So take Ivan's words to heart here. Be present, show up for whatever you're doing, and that enriches the whole picture. Ivan, thank you so much for that wonderful insight. Yeah, my pleasure. <laughs> yeah. So in your most recent book, I love this idea of the third paradigm. Go ahead and just introduce us to the whole concept of what these three paradigms are and which paradigm we're at approaching now. Yeah, yeah and approaching is the right word. I think we're headed in that direction in many ways. The first paradigm was that competition. And if you go back to the late 1800s, early 1900s, it was all about productivity and competition. Frederick Taylor, the Gantz, the Galbraiths, they all talk about how to improve productivity. Put the other guy out of business. It's all about productivity. The second paradigm is cooperation. And we started to see that evolve in the late 50s, early 60s with things like McGregor's Theory X, Theory Y, where he was talking about people being important, which I know today we look at that and we go, yeah, that's kind of obvious. But this is true. I studied under Warren Bennis at the University of Southern California. And Warren was in his day the world's leading expert on leadership. And he said he worked with McGregor in the 50s and 60s when he came out with Theory X, Theory Y. And they would get bomb threats because people said, this is communism. And they're like, no, this is, like, people are important in business and they're an important resource for a successful business. And so it was seen crazy back then as common. Where we're at now or where we are moving towards is, I believe, the third paradigm, which is co-creation. And that is where people literally create a product, a service, an idea, a concept together uh, working with one another. Now, the most common example of that is crowdsourcing. Almost everybody understands crowdsourcing. And so crowdsourcing is a great example of the third paradigm, but there are many, many others. And in the book, we surveyed 4,000 people to ask, what are the things that work with crowdsourcing? What are the things that don't? And so we have some really hard data on the, the things that work and the things that don't work in building a successful crowdsourcing environment. So give us a couple of examples. You have several in the book of organizations that use this model. Just share those with us. Yeah, there were quite a few uh, organizations that uh, use the model. Uh, Lego was one. Linux is another where their open source is a version of crowdsourcing. The kinds of things that are really important for organizations is their ability to effectively communicate. Communication was probably the number one or one of the top factors in uh, creating an effective co-creative environment that if you're not being really uh, communicative in, in one place in the book, we, we say uh, communication saturation, that you literally saturate the organization with communication so that nobody can say, I wasn't told. Now, people will say it. They always do because they don't read everything. But you, then you say, well, yes, actually you were. It was in a memo on such and such a date. Let me send it to you again. And they're like, okay, never mind. And we found that when you have communication saturation in an organization, then people stop complaining, especially if there's transparency. They always complain. But there's a lot less complaining when you have uh, communication uh, saturation. You know, if you, if you want something on the downside, some of the downsides of co-creation are personality conflicts and people hijacking the project. That's, those are some of the things that create problems. And then how do you manage those? Well, and you manage those through the communication saturation, but there's a number of other things. And I talk about it at length in the book on how do you deal with organizational conflict. So in one case, and, and I'm, I'm going to give you a secret here, Dawson. Okay, this is just between us. <laughs> I won't tell a soul. Don't tell a soul. Okay? So you read the book and you saw the story about Richard 
And Richard's story was interwoven throughout the whole big book because Richard was dealing with an online platform that started with competition, went to cooperation, and then finally co-creation. So at the end, I don't know if you remember, in the summary, in the summary chapter was an interview with the publisher where the publisher interviewed us. And one of the questions the publisher said was, was the story about Richard true? And my co-authors, one of which you know very well, Dawa and Heidi, uh, they answered, they said, yes, the story of Richard is true. And the story is about one of our co-authors. <laughs> Richard is the stuff you can't tell. Richard is my middle name. <laughs> and so the story was about a program we called BNI Connect. But what I didn't want to make it all about me and BNI Connect. So we told the story as a, a third party so people would read it and not say, oh, he's just talking about his own organization. That's sort of not mentioned in the book that is about BNI Connect. But what I learned were some techniques to deal with conflict. And one of the best was listen till they drop. Listen till they drop, which is there was a session that I had. There was a three-hour session. And my plan was to just listen until they got tired yelling at me. And I'll tell you, we, we mentioned, ironically, we mentioned West Wing. I, I can't believe I just happened to mention that. It was a spin on a show out of the West Wing with Alan Alda, where he used a technique called talk till they drop where it was in the last season where he would just talk until the media was like, okay, fine, we're done. Well, I reversed it. Listen till they drop. And wow, they got, you know, it was, it was sort of the rope-a-dope. Remember uh, Muhammad Ali and George Foreman? You were, you know, Ali was just getting pummeled and, and then came out with and won the fight. And I think it was in the eighth round. Uh, and so sometimes that's what you do for co-creation. Is a good leaders got to take, a, they got to be a punching bag. And you got to listen until they're tired of complaining. And we literally filled an entire wall full of flip charts of all the complaints they had. There were almost 600, no joke. And when we got to the end, listen, I walked into this with a plan. I had a plan. I knew what I wanted to do. But if I had walked in and said, hey, I got a plan, everybody, we're going to be able to make this work. They'd be like, oh, no, we're mad. And they would vent anyway. So I just let them vent. And, oh, and I had to shut up. That's one of the other, like, shut up, shut the bad word, bad word, bad word up, right? Don't argue. No matter how dumb the complaint was, be quiet. So listen till they drop, uh, shut up, rope-a-dope strategy, keep calm, have a plan. Now you may change the plan, have a plan. Part of the plan that I had was they would come up with this list and I would say, thank you. First of all, I, I forgot to say the most important thing. I apologized before I did anything. I said, I'm sorry. This isn't what I promised. We can do better. Tell me everything you hate. Don't leave anything out. And they did. They told me everything. And, and then when it was all done, I was like, all right, okay, anything else? No. Okay. You open to an idea? And they were so tired. I was like, yeah, whatever. What do you want? I said, let's create a project board. And the project board will make all the decisions. I'll make no decisions. I can't veto anything. There'll be a budget. Got to work in the budget. But the project board will be made up of you and other experts in the organization. And we'll triage this list and come up with, with a plan. And they're like, yeah, and that might work. And then I had buttons, Dawson. These buttons that said EGBOK. E-G-B-O-K. And I had my staff pass them around. And they're like, what's this? Egba, everything's going to be okay. <laughs> everything's going to be okay. We're going to get through this. You know, I, it, I, I helped create this problem, but we're, we 
are going to create the solution. We are going to create it together. And then you'll love this, Dawson. You, we, all, we both know Fred Johnson. I brought Fred Johnson in, who's a singer, and he created a, an egg box song. <laughs> and so we had hundreds of people. And oh, and when they walked out of this, this was the small meeting before the big meeting. They walked out and people are like, did you tell them? Did you tell them how mad we are? And they're like, yeah, but, but everything's going to be okay. Here, you want a button? And they're like, what? And then, so I kind of, you know, I, I, did, I spoke to the whole organization and then we had Fred Johnson say, everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be everything. So it's a master class in dealing with conflict in a co-creative way. And that was just a handful of the dozen things that I recommend in dealing with conflict. Powerful. And apologizing, working in community, listening, no matter what you think of what's being said, being respectful, and all of these can turn a really unproductive atmosphere around. And so again, listening to Ivan, write these things down. And maybe you aren't running an organization with hundreds of people, maybe you're running a family, maybe you're running a small entrepreneurial team, maybe you're running a small entrepreneurial team, maybe you're working in a nonprofit and you have to bring people together, how do you turn that environment into one of creativity and positivity? And again, these are timeless principles which you can apply. We're going to a break right now, but please stay tuned. You're listening to High Energy Health. My name is Dawson Church. We'll be right back after a break. Hello and welcome back to High Energy Health. My name is Dawson Church and my guest today is Ivan Meisner. His newest book, which you definitely don't want to miss, is called The Third Paradigm. So Ivan, what other techniques are there that people might use to deal with conflict and it's fine to make them as scary as you want? <laughs> yeah, well, the first one's not scary. The first one, though, is critical. Really, really critical. And that is you as the leader in a co-creative environment when you've got a lot of people involved. And, you know, you pointed out it doesn't have to be a lot of people. You know, I've started BNI with two part-time employees. So we now have 10,000. So we've scaled the business. So, But you can start with these ideas as a small organization. And as you grow, they become more and more powerful. The first big picture thing on dealing with conflict is hold the vision, not the obstacles. What happens is that you get people so focused on the obstacles, they lose sight of the vision. It's uh, another mutual friend of ours, Mark McCurgow, wrote a book called Solutions Focus, where he talks about the fact that if all you do is focus on problems, you become an expert at the problems, and what you have to do is focus on the solutions. And so that was really in my mind when I was writing this part of the book, is you hold the vision, not the obstacles. And I remember saying to people, do you think we had, being nice, 39 years old, I said, do you think we had obstacles 39 years ago? And they're like, yeah, of course. Do you think we had obstacles 10 years ago? Yeah. Did we have obstacles during COVID? Oh, yeah. A lot of obstacles. And do you think we have any obstacles right now? They're like, yeah. I think we're going to have obstacles next year. Yeah. You've got to hold the vision, not the obstacles. You work through the obstacles. You, you address them. Don't ignore them. But always hold the vision. And that, that gives a framework for people to work through conflict, especially if you train them. Here's another technique. You can disagree without being disagreeable. 
You can disagree without being disagreeable. It's okay to not agree, but you do it in a polite, professional. You can be firm. You can be strong about your opinions, but you don't have to be disagreeable. And everyone speaks. Another technique, you got to let everyone speak. Because oftentimes, certainly in my organization, when we're dealing with IT, you have the IT people, they're a little mousy, a little quiet, and they're not going to speak. And then you have the marketing people who are like, no, we need this. And, you know, you, you, go, you got to go to everybody and you go around the room and you say everyone gets to speak. And what's interesting is the marketing people complain that the IT people are speaking because they don't know the marketing side. And the IT people complain that the marketing people are speaking because they don't understand the IT side. And, and then what you do is you say, look, don't you get it, you guys? You all speak so you can find out the other side. You want to see, you want to see all uh, portions of the elephant. It's like the blind men feeling the elephant and they all feel something different. And so you got to see the whole thing, uh, the entire vision, which really comes from uh, groupthink. Dawson, do you know where groupthink comes from? It's you from Alice Huxley's Brave New World, am I right? No, groupthink came from John F. Kennedy. Uh, wow. Yeah. From, I don't know that he came up with the phrase, but it was a social scientist after the Cuban Missile Crisis. or a- Actually, it was after the Bay of Pigs, where everything was a mess, and he only listened to the experts. And then the Cuban Missile Crisis, he went around the room and he said, everybody's got to give an opinion. Whether you think you're an expert on international relations or not, I want your opinion. And he had everyone give their opinion. And so he heard multiple sides of this, not just the expert side. So this idea of groupthink is when you only get the opinion of one group of people. And so co-creation doesn't work if you allow groupthink. Got to make sure everyone speaks. People don't always like that because they don't want to hear the other side because they don't think they understand what they understand. Two more quick ones. Give up some control but you gain engagement. You give up control. You actually give up a fair amount of control, but you gain engagement. And engagement is more powerful than control in co-creation. And the last thing is that co-creation, you have to slow down to go fast. You have to slow down. That communication process slows everything down. But once things get rolling, the system, whatever it is you're working on, happens faster because you get everyone involved. Oh, and I think I, I forgot one. Allow barking dogs. <laughs> okay, let's cover that in the next segment. And I okay. want also to go more into that whole idea of slowing down to go fast. You're listening to High Energy Health. Thank you for being here. My guest today is Dr. Ivan Meister. We'll be right back after a break. Hello and welcome back to High Energy Health. Thanks for being here. Make sure you are listening with what Ivan just described of is as engagement. Make sure you're listening and you're engaged. You're making notes. You're writing down what these ideas are and then thinking about, hmm, how do I apply these to my team? And your team may not be a multinational corporation. Your team may be a family. Your team might be your small business, your team might be you and your clients, but think about how you can apply these principles to those people around you. They can work miracles in terms of shifting your reality if you are prioritizing these kinds of principles, even though they may be hard to do and they're going to take a fair amount of self-control. <laughs> it's well worth it. So Ivan, those barking dogs, they make a lot of noise and they dominate the show. What do you do when you have one or maybe more than one in the room? 
Well, you not only may deal with one or more than one, you want to invite them into the room, which seems counterintuitive because the truth is if you don't invite at least one, you don't want a room full of barking dogs if possible. You, know, you want people that are reasonable. But if you don't invite at least one or two of the barking dogs in, they're going to be barking, but not in your room. They're going to be barking outside, getting everybody else riled up. And then you're dealing with people who are riled up because you got the barking dogs who aren't in the room. So you got to let some of them in the room and let them bark. And you also have to control the communication in the sense that you let everyone speak. Okay, we got, we hear you. We appreciate your points. Now it's your turn. And now it's your turn. And now it's your turn. So, but you got to let the barking dogs in. Otherwise, they're just going to bark and you're not going to be able to turn them around. With me, what I try to do is let, let them bark. And then I would have one-to-one meetings with them and talk about, okay, what's the vision? You see this obstacle, but what's the vision? Are we on the same page with the vision? Yeah, we're on the same page with the vision. Okay, so how can you, how can we achieve what you're talking about and have us hit this vision? Crucial conversations, it's what they call the the beautiful and or something like that. There's a phrase that they use, the, the incredible and. How can we do what you're talking about and achieve the vision that we want. You had that one-on-one conversation with them and you get the barking dogs to calm down a little bit because they're feeling heard and you're holding the vision. You're recognizing the obstacles. It's all part of, this is all part of uh, effective leadership skills. (laughs) I'm just thinking about a funny event from like 30 years ago. And my wife and I then lived in a tiny little town called Boulder Creek, California. And our we had two children and we had neighbors. Most of our neighbors had children. And one day, our neighbor on the one side came up to me and said, you know, we've been hanging around you quite a bit. We notice that your children don't scream and yell. What's secret? I mean, you know, <laughs> ours are screaming and yelling. What is the magic? How have you trained your children not to scream and yell? I was colors? by the question. And I then said to her, I, I listened to what they're saying. You didn't use shock callers. You, you, you just listen. Yeah. 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 I mean, if, if you're listening, then I'm screaming and yell. If yeah. you aren't being heard, yeah, you, you become a barking dog. If you're being heard, yeah. you don't have to bark so loudly. You don't have to bark so loud or so often or so angrily. And by the way, in crucial conversations, it's called the feasible and. You look for the feasible and. How can we do this? And accomplish this. It's a powerful technique to use. Yeah. So both and rather than either or. Yep. And that's again, this is the work I was talking about of the leader. That's what you as the leader are doing. You're looking for the feasible and rather than either or, rather than the angry protest. So yep. these are all parts of your job as a leader. And again, you may not, you may think, well, I'm not a leader. I'm not a corporate executive. I'm not leading a big team. I'm not growing a business. You're a leader in all kinds of ways. You're a leader in your community. You're a leader in your church. You are a leader among your friends. You are a leader in your family for sure. And family dynamics change dramatically when one person is applying some of these principles. Yes, so sir. think about how you can apply them in your circumstances. Again, Ivan, obviously, founding big organizations is in one category. All of us have these common leadership challenges. Wherever we are, even if we think of ourselves as a leader, and we can become a leader. I've, I've been so gratified as I've worked in, in various organizations with small teams and watching how there's a team of equals, a team of maybe six or seven people, and they all have equal rank. And yet the person who is able to implement some of these things 
is showing leadership and changes the energy and the outcome for everyone, even though they aren't higher ranked, they aren't in any yeah. sense the uh, designated leader, you can be a leader in your team, even if you don't have the title. Yeah, you're right. There's there, there, In leadership, there's a thing called personal power and positional power. And positional power is about rank, but personal power is about influence. And you might not have the rank, but you might have the influence. And so, and barking dogs tend to have influence. And so that's why it's important to, you know, bring them into the process because if you can, can focus that in, that influence that they have, if you can coach them and guide them to a more productive direction, then you're going to be successful at whatever you're doing. No matter the size of the organization, you're right. I think co-creation is both a muddy mess <laughs> and a thing of beauty. It holds both places in existence simultaneously. Wow. And, uh, you know, actually, in, in neuroscience, Ivan, the ability to hold disparate ideas is actually a skill. And some people's brains actually are quite well adept at doing this. Others actually are less adept at doing this. They need things to be black and white and really one way or the other. But uh, people who are in positions of leadership, it turns out that if you look at the way their brains are firing in an MRI, they can hold two mutually exclusive ideas at the same time. And from that thesis, antithesis, find the synthesis. And so many great discoveries are made that way. That's where actually where breakthroughs come from, not the conformist middle of the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely true. And, and sometimes those breakthroughs come uh, to you when you're not even focused on it in that moment. I remember as a young man, I was like I don't know, 16, 17 years old, and our football coach gave us Psycho-Cybernetics as a book. It was, on, it was, a, it was actually a bootlegged uh, cassette tape that he made. And I loved that. And I remember listening to it until it broke. And I, my, my, um, my teammates were like, dude, you're listening to that again? <laughs> Why are you listening to that again? Because this is powerful. And, it, and they talked about breakthroughs. And how, how the, you know, the servo mechanism of the mind is constantly working. And sometimes, even if you just go sit in a hot tub, or for me, you know where I have a lot of breakthroughs? In my steam, my steam room. <laughs> I go sit down in my steam room and just let the steam, you know, experience the steam. And I'll be sitting there not even thinking about an issue I've gotten. And boom, it just hits me. And, and so sometimes just, you know, relaxing uh, can help you get answers. I don't know if that fits with what Absolutely. you're talking about. Yeah, because subconsciously, your mind isn't working on those things anyway. And that's why people who take breaks are more productive than people who hammer at it for eight hours sitting there at their desk. People who take a break every couple of hours actually are more yeah. productive than those that don't. And that's because it's, it's given that, that subconscious process that's happening in your steam room, a chance to integrate ideas. And neuroscientists call this binding. Is binding ideas that come from all different parts of the brain. And then what happens when we put them together in that sudden synthesis of insight is that there's a huge expansion of gamma, gamma brain waves in our, our brain. You see this massive explosion of gamma as you solve the problem as the creative insight comes. And it's rarely at the end of a long chain of consistent thought. It's almost always yeah. a result of binding from different areas. We're going to go to a break right now, but please stay tuned. You're listening to High Energy Health. My guest today is Ivan Meisner. His newest book is called The Third Paradigm. We'll be right back after a break.
Hello and welcome back to High Energy Health. I am your host, Dawson Church. I love sharing with you every week. Bookmark High Energy Health. Make it part of your weekly routine. Share it with other people. Let your friends know. Email them links. There are so many amazing shows, so many amazing guests, so many amazing ideas here. Look down the list and make it part of your routine. But if you have a friend who's suffering, send them the program on anxiety. If you have a friend who's depressed, send them the interview with one of our depression experts, and that shows how you can get yourself out of this. We've also interviewed several money experts recently, people who've built huge investment organizations, and they share with you how you handle your money. If you have a friend who's struggling with money, send them the interview with one of those experts. They can make all the difference in their lives. So get the word out there about high energy health. And I'm going to give you a homework assignment to send it. I can write this down. Remember, I've had you using your notepad and your pen or your device for the last while. I want you to look through the list of shows. I want you to send three friends a show you think might help them. A link to that show today. Part of your homework. You're getting all this benefit from these people who are giving you their brilliant ideas themed over a lifetime of service. It's time to give back and share these ideas with your friends. Another thing I'm going to make a requirement, part of your homework. I'm going to check up on you next week to see if you've done it. <laughs> I want you to go on Amazon and I want you to give some of these books. I want you to give them a review. Write a review for programs you particularly like because for an author, that Amazon five-star review is incredibly helpful. When a book hits a thousand five-star reviews on Amazon, Amazon begins marketing that book spontaneously and then it goes on to have a very long tail and influence the lives of many, many people. So you can show your appreciation to, I to Ivan by going and giving his book a five-star review. When I got Ivan's book, I was so excited about it. I wrote a review. I got it published in a journal called Energy Psychology Journal that I edit. I put the review up on Amazon. I tweaked the review. I thought about the review for a few days. I made little improvements to it. I put it up there on Amazon. I gave it a five-star review. Share ideas worth sharing. Be a light in the world. We're having we're in an age where we have access to all this wisdom and information that would have taken you an enormous amount of time to ferret out in the days when we were like Ivan listening to cassette tapes on, on psycho-cybernetics and having very limited information sources. So share the wealth of information we have, and it really can make a difference in the lives of other people. Thanks for shining your light and sharing it with others. So Ivan, to wrap up our time together, go ahead and share your do's and your don'ts of co-creation. Yeah, now this is based on the survey we did of 4,000 people, and this was open to the public. It was an international survey. I think I said that communication was one of the top three. It's actually one of the poor communications is one of the top uh, three don'ts. You don't want to have poor communication. So let's talk about the do's first. Diversity of ideas was number one. People love co-creation when there's diverse ideas. Something similar but a little bit different is learning from each other. People said, wow, you know, through this co-creative process, I learned stuff. Through these diverse ideas, I learned things that I didn't know about my own company. Uh, that's uh, powerful. Stronger relationships. People build stronger relationships by having uh, these meetings and this communication. Uh, seeing areas of the business that they didn't see before. That's really important to keep pointing out. You know, this is a part of the business you didn't see before. More empowered teams, empowering teams. That's one of the top seven do's. 
increased quality of creativity. That was one of the top seven. People got more creative because they were brainstorming in meetings for this co-creation. And the last one was shared resources, where people are talking and they go, oh, you know, you can do that in your department? We need that. And so the shared resources become one of the top seven do's for an effective co-creative process. Let's hit the top seven don'ts. Number one, the thing to look out for is personality conflicts, people that just butt heads and you're playing a referee. It, it happens and you got to deal with that. And we talk about a little bit of how to do it, but a personality conflicts is one. Dealing with egos. People come in and they got an ego. It may not be a personality conflict, but they feel strongly. They're usually a barking dog. And they, they've got their ego to deal with. Poor communication was number three. That if co-creation's not going to work if you have bad uh, communication in process. People who don't pull their weight—that was one of the complaints. People are in this co-creative environment, but they're not—they're not doing anything. And that's time to, you know, coach them up or coach them out, get them out of it. A lack of an agreement on who makes the final decision. Somebody's got to make the final decisions. There may be decisions along the way, and they are, of course, the big decision. So there has to be agreement as to who makes the final. Uh, decision hijacking the project, uh, you know, being focused not on the vision but on the obstacles. That's where you get hijacking the project is number six and number seven is a non-aligned vision for the project. And this is where the top leader has to say, "Here's the direction we're going, and here's why. Follow me." So there has to be an alignment on the direction that you're going. Mm. Those are the do's and don'ts. Powerful. Yeah, that alignment is powerful. And again, all of this does presuppose a leader and the quality of the leadership, the quality of that leader and the quality of the ideas and the perspective and the skills of that leader is going to make all the difference. I know I've been part of teams with uh, people who've had very few skills, very little of this understanding, Ivan. It isn't a good space to, to be in or to work in. So yeah, yeah. So you as a leader are the one who can inform yourself and then start to practice these things. And again, Ivan does have this sequential story that goes all the way from chapter one to the end, where he tells a story of that experience with a fictional character who is Ivan Meisner, as he is learning these lessons and applying them with his team. Ivan, in our last minute or two together, what are you excited about? Where are you going next? Well, I'm really excited. I'm working on another book called Garage to Global. And uh, how do you take your business from your garage where I started my company literally in my garage and in a room above my garage? And we now have over 10,000 people who work for the company uh, in 77 countries around the world. You may, I think you mentioned how much business we did. Past 12 months, from yesterday, 12 months back, we did 22.3 billion. That's a billion with a B. 22.3 billion dollars worth of business for our members. That is, the referrals they got was worth $22 billion. Now, just so you know, Dawson, there are 100 countries in the world, based on the United Nations estimates of GDP, there are 100 countries in the world with a lower GDP <laughs> than what B&I did for our members. And so I'm excited about scaling and how we can impact more people uh, to be successful using a positive and supportive co-creative environment. And our philosophy is giver's gain, which is all about supporting and helping others. Also, I'd love to see this being applied more and more to nonprofits. 
the number of nonprofits has exploded in the last 30 years. I don't know if you look at the numbers, but the number of, of people doing charitable things, making a difference uh, through their work has gone up exponentially. There are far more today than there were in 1980, 1970 and going back. So hmm. I, it's, it's, I, I really am hopeful about our ability to apply these principles to big problems, big social problems, big economic, political, environmental problems as well. I've just been an inspiration to talk to you. It always is. Bless you. Thank you. And I am so grateful for what you're bringing the world in the third paradigm. Well, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I really appreciate it, my friend. Okay. And everyone, see you next week again. You've got your homework. Give people those five-star reviews. Take your notes and apply them and send links to people, friends of yours who might need that dose of inspiration. Love yourself. Take care of yourself. Have the most wonderful life possible. See you on the next episode. Thank you. 